0: Oh, hey, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. And this is my book review of The Way of the Wolf by Jordan Belfort the world's most infamous salesman. And you've, of course, seen the uh, movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio made about his life. Maybe you read his uh, earlier books like me. I think I read his first book twice, actually. I I found it that uh, compelling and engrossing of a read, but you probably might not take George Belfort that seriously. In fact, I wouldn't blame you for not taking him all that seriously. But I just finished his book, his manifesto for unapologetically effective persuaders. And it's actually got some pretty good stuff in it. He has some devilishly clever persuasion hacks in there that I'm going to share with you here today. So we're going to get right into, we're actually going to start by talking about what I think is his best state management biohack. This is something that is pretty clever, I gotta say. But Before we get into all that, before I break all that down for you, you're probably wondering, what is this strap doing on my head? And I should show you, as you can see, it's attached to this device, which is a PMF device, and it is blasting this gamma wave into the back of my head it's uh blasting this gamma wave into my corpus callosum actually and what this does is it has an entrainment effect not an entertainment effect, but an entrainment effect where my brain will synchronize its wave will synchronize its kind of a uh, mode of functioning with the waveform that it gets exposed to. And this is called PMF, Pulsed Electromagnetic Fields. And I chose the gamma wave because people that make like a lot of money, uh, people that are kind of like, you could call them uh, naturals in business or in sales, those people, are in the gamma brainwave a bit more. It's one of the uh, little-known advantages that they have. And so I'm using this device to entrain that. We're going to dive in with discussing Jordan's olfactory biohack for instant confidence. But before I describe that, I'm going to urge you to give this podcast or video, I might suggest that you go and watch this as a video if you're listening to the podcast, because I'm going to actually show you a couple of things. You might want to uh, see the olfact, see the PMF device that I'm using for the gamma wave on my brain. Right now, whether you're listening to this as a video or uh, as a podcast, please do give it a comment or an upvote or a share around. You might be listening to this on one of these uh, newfangled decentralized Web 3.0 platforms where you can attach a little uh, crypto tip. Maybe you want to buy me a a coffee or something like that. Because on this channel, I... Pride myself on doing these deep dive book reviews on different subjects you are no doubt well aware and have encountered over and over again on the internet in the podcast sphere in the personal development sphere all of this low effort content which is people that will do like ask me anything live streams where they haven't done any research, they haven't done any wordsmithing, they just sit down in front of the computer and let the words topple out of them. And they do that frequently enough that they make up for their lack of quality with quantity. And that's not what I'm about. What I'm about is reading meaningful books uh, and then going a little bit deeper into those books and thinking about them and writing up a review of those books and adding some of my own thoughts and ideas to them and doing some experimentation on top of that and then putting together a podcast or a video like this for you that is a higher density of value and information that you can take and go and use and it does entail more work on my So if you think that's kind of like a format of uh, meaningful educational content that you'd like to see more of, then hey, reward me in just a little way. However you find appropriate, comment, upvote, share, maybe a five-star rating and review of this uh, podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, that's going to keep me chugging away at this and i guarantee you you're going to want to listen to this book review in completion because at the end i've got uh, a super simple a surprisingly simple and effective template script for getting through the gatekeeper when you're doing those telephone sales i've got a, a script that'll get you you will fly right past Those those gatekeepers that are, you know, holding you back from uh, making sales and talking to decision makers. And then I've also got an equally surprisingly simple script for getting callbacks. You know, when you have to leave a voicemail for a prospect and they only call you back maybe 10% of the time. I've got a real simple script for bumping that up to like 50 to 70% of the time. Okay, so the olfactory instant confidence biohack, which is, you might, you might be guessing at this point, that's what I did with this little bottle at the very beginning of this video. Here's how Jordan describes it the key distinction here is that once you've learned the technique for triggering an empowered state i'm going to teach you the most powerful one in the world In a moment, you only want to use it at certain key moments when it matters the most, like before you enter a sales encounter or try to close a business deal or enter a negotiation or even if it's an important decision you need to make in your personal life. The most common state that salespeople will try to set an anchor for is a state of absolute certainty. And the most common anchor they'll choose to link it to is a combination of shouting the word yes and simultaneously clapping their hands. Yes. Oh yeah. Right. We've all, if you've uh, worked in sales, you've seen people doing that. About anchoring confidence, the key bandler explained is that you have to be at the absolute tippy top of the state in terms of the emotional intensity you feel inside in order to successfully set an anchor. Anything less than that and the anchor won't set. So let's choose a state of absolute certainty. As this is the state that you must be in when you enter any sales encounter. And then we get to scent anchoring. It had to be a scent that was extreme enough, unusual enough, powerful enough, and pungent enough to meet Bandler's criteria. Yet still be pleasing enough to the nose to not gross me out or become its own negative anchor okay so got that it needs to be a pungent scent it needs to be a pretty strong scent and it also needs to be something that's kind of rare that you don't normally encounter in your day-to-day life and you wait for a very specific moment then you take out your boom boom and that's a, a boom boom is a scent anchor okay unscrew the top and follow the steps above take a massive blast up each nostril and then ball your hands up in fists and dig your fingernails into your palms and yell out the word yes in a powerful yet controlled manner then 10 seconds later the scent of the boom boom still lingering after that after the initial rush gone repeat the process again and that as they say is that so jordan recommends this product the boom boom which I haven't tried. I'd love to try it, but it looks like they only have a distribution in the United States. And apparently, this product hits you with a really strong scent and a strong, distinctive, energizing scent, which is exactly what you want. I'm not sure you could get this product if you want, but I don't think it's the best idea to anchor your instant confidence scent to a specific product that you might not always be able to get you know this company might not be around forever right and so that's why i recommend using essential oils for this because essential oils have a distinctive uh, clear scent you don't smell the scent all that often and essential oils are going to be around forever. And so, again, uh, I've been using the rosemary scent for this. Let me take another hit. Ah. And I'm actually not sure if rosemary is the best. I may change that up because there are some Essential oils that do have stronger scents. I asked some essential oils experts about this, and they named patchouli, frankincense, eucalyptus, and ylang ylang. That one uh, sounds sounds awesome. Sounds Asian for some reason to me. So maybe I'll switch to using one of those as my scent anchor because the rosemary is a little bit more common of a scent and maybe it's not quite strong enough but it does still have an effect on me in the past for this i've also used an old cigar like if you get a cigar in one of those metal cases the metal case does a pretty good job of insulating the scent and you you don't put the cigar in a humidifier you just you just leave it in a drawer or whatever and it will predictably dry right out and then it'll have this this old <laughs> dried cigar scent and what i'm thinking i may i may with my experimentation on this, I'm thinking what I'm going to do actually is go and pick up one of those cigars, uh, real smelly old, I'm going to go into a cigar store and ask them what is a particularly pungent cigar that they offer. And then I'm going to let it dry out. And then I think I may switch to frankincense. And then what I'll do is I'll add frankincense. I'll drip frankincense with the dropper there into, I'll cut the cigar, and then I'm not going to smoke this, okay? But I'm going to cut the cigar, and then I'm going to drip the frankincense into it. And then I'm just going to leave that to sit in a drawer. And I bet you that's going to turn into a really pungent scent. So that's... Uh, this, the rosemary works okay, but I think this could be improved upon. I think I can uh, DIY a boom-boom for myself. And I have got a add-on mindset strategy. I'm uh, stacking the olfactory confidence biohack with something else. Recently, I have been anchoring certainty and confidence while doing the Dispenza style epigenetic mindset transformation meditation. And if if you haven't heard of this, you are going to want to go and check out my book review podcast of You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I'm going to be linking to that through the resources link below wherever you're listening to this. So just just go and bookmark that and check it out later. But basically, this is a meditation, and it's a little bit more of an intensive meditation. It takes a whole 50 minutes to get through where you do kind of like an ego dissolution step, and then you go through some, some other steps and a guided meditation that makes your mind very suggestible okay and then as you as you're kind of reaching this uh climactic moment in the guided meditation where like the music is getting really enthralling what you do is you replace an old limiting belief with a new empowering belief and it really is quite uh it really is, is quite a, a powerful emotional experience that you that you have. And the book breaks down the science behind all of this, that this is uh, a, a, a mindfulness method that flips epigenetic switches in your system via something called neuropeptides. Actually, this, you may want to read this other book also and... listen to my podcast on it. It's an interesting topic. Anyways, so this is a method. This meditation is a mindset transformation tool that I've used for a couple of years now when I wanted to make a real fundamental underlying mindset kind of shift on something that was a a belief I had that wasn't serving me great. And so when I read this book and I revisited the topic of the olfactory scent anchor, I said to myself, you know, when I sit down and I do my epigenetic mindset transformation meditation, I find myself in this state of supreme confidence I find myself in this emotional uh, an emotionally empowered state. Like sometimes while I'm doing this meditation, I uh, I yell, I throw my hands in the air. I, I really get into it during this. Med- it's really a pretty cool meditation. You should, you should try it. You owe that to yourself. But I thought to myself, what I should do is as I'm reaching that emotional climax of certainty in the dispense of meditation... I should anchor that because it's not like I'm closing $5,000, $10,000, $100,000 deals uh, every week or even every other week or even uh, once or even every every month. But this particular state of certainty and emotional enthusiasm about the future and about uh, change and about myself and my identity and all that good stuff... I can experience that state doing this meditation. So I will keep my scent anchor next to where I'm uh, sitting and doing the meditation, and then I'll take a hit of it at just that moment, at the moment of of, uh, optimal certainty in that meditation. And... It has, it's having cool effect on me. So I suggest you do the same if you try that. I, I think this is kind of a cool fusion of different techniques that I've encountered in the uh, personal empowerment uh, realm. So if you try that, leave me a comment or send me an email or a message letting me know what kind of results you get out of that because unless you're if you're a sales let's say you're a salesperson and maybe you're like a telemarketer where you're making you're making dozens or perhaps even a hundred calls a day you're going to have the opportunity there where you're going to be going through you're going to have these real emotional peaks uh, of certainty throughout your day. You'll have a, you make a hundred phone calls and you're going to have like three or four that go like really, really well. Right. And so that gives you the opportunity to use the scent anchor really frequently and get a real strong association going on between the type of state of certainty and total enthralling confidence that you want to be able to summon on command because of the the amount of frequency that you have but maybe your uh, life or your uh, profession as a salesperson maybe you're the kind of salesperson that you're you're doing less prospecting and you're maybe you're closing a deal only once a month or maybe you're one of those salespeople that that you you close like two really big deals a year that are worth like several hundred thousand dollars you're like far and few in between closing these really big deals that are going to give you this emotional high that you can anchor with your set well in that case then the Dispenza-style epigenetic mindset transformation meditation is something that I think can serve you very well. So do go and check that out. Moving on, let's look some more at the straight line system, which is the name of Jordan's sales system. Kind of a boring name, but I guess, hey, it, it describes what it is. And there are five core elements to it which is first prospect must love your product the prospect must trust and connect with you the prospect must trust and connect with your company step four is to lower the action threshold and step five is to raise the pain threshold and one of the important points he makes is that there are three tens okay And the first 10 is that the prospect must love your product, must trust and connect with you, and the prospect must trust and connect with your company. Those three things, I've repeated them now because they are really important. And he talks about objections, which of course, objections, you face those. And he writes... In reality, though, the actual meaning of any particular objection has very little to do with what it states on the surface. You see, at the end of the day, objections are merely smokescreens for uncertainty in one or all of the three tens. In other words, If you ask for the order and your prospect is not high enough on the certainty scale, then they'll throw out a smokescreen in the form of one of the common objections. And if you've been in sales, you've certainly heard this sentiment before, which is which is that uh, like objections are not really objections that that when you get hit with one of those common objections like i need to talk to my wife about it i need to talk to my business partner about it i need to think it over a little bit more i need to do a little bit more research on this i need to i need to read the entire pamphlet for whatever you're selling that that's not the real objection that the real issue is this lack of of certainty and Personally, I've got kind of mixed thoughts on this. I, I think it is important to be empathetic with the prospects, with the people that we're selling to, right? I don't think we should uh, just try to run over and skip over the uh, legitimate concerns that they might have. But I, I do think probably a lot of times in sales, the objections we get are probably not legitimate. And I think back to when I was a salesperson selling uh, brand new Toyotas at the Toyota dealership there in Denver, Colorado. I think I was about 19 years old at the time. And I remember this guy came in on like a Tuesday morning. I think he had like a little bit of time off work in the morning and he wanted to look at those beautiful brand new Toyota trucks. Ah, oh, to- Toyota trucks are, are are a thing of majesty. They're mechanically engineering, they are they're an amazing thing. Amazingly reliable. And so he he's like, "I just want to take a look at. I just want to take a look at some of these new trucks." And and but he emphasized to me, he was like, I'm not buying anything today. I'm not doing anything today because uh, my wife doesn't even know I'm here, and there's no way, man, that I would buy a car without my wife being here. You know, because we we respect each other. We make uh, these uh house significant household financial decisions. We we make all these kind of decisions uh very carefully uh with with each other. He was he was singing me that whole song all the way out to the truck, but then oh, once he laid eyes on. Uh, and what was it? A, a Tacoma. One of those Toyota Tacomas. One of those beautiful, brand new uh, uh, V6 cab Toyota Tacomas. He, he had to drive it. You know, you got to drive it. And he had just enough time to drive it. And so he drove the car. And then I just went through the uh, test close, where I say, you know, hey, if we can make all the details here, line up for you, is this the car that you want to drive home today? And he was like, yes and uh yeah sure enough sure enough he 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 arrived on the lot and then about two hours later he had uh i believe did he trade in his old i forget if he traded in his old vehicle but yeah this guy who was uh convinced he wasn't going to buy anything once he reached that hundred percent certainty on the car and i'm not sure if i had a ton of rapport with that guy but he was he was he understood that i was it was a credible dealership it was uh it was the best car dealership in the state by far so we got him there on certainty and then his objection about asking his wife's permission well his his wife sure got a surprise when she uh got home from work that day anyways moving forward let's talk about future pacing this is an important topic We call this technique future pacing, and it serves as the very backbone of how we move someone emotionally. When you future pace someone, you're essentially playing out the post buying movie in the best fashion possible, allowing that person to experience your product's amazing benefits right now along with the positive feelings they create the prospect's needs have been filled their pain has been resolved any itch they had has been scratched and they're feeling wonderful as a result of it in short future pacing entails running an imaginary movie through your mind where you get to see yourself in the future having already achieved a certain outcome the result is that you get to experience the positive feelings associated with a future achievement right now so this is the thing in sales that can be beneficial where if you find out a little bit about the person and about how what you're selling might match up with their needs then you can describe to them this, this beautiful future that is there in the uh, this, this, this beautiful, bright future that they can have with your product in their life. Next topic that the book spends a fair amount of time on is the first four seconds. And the first four seconds in sales and really in life in general, they really matter. Here's what Jordan has to say. During a phone call with a prospect, you have a bit longer. You have four seconds to make an impression. To be clear, though, even when you're in person, it still takes four seconds before a final judgment gets made. The difference is that the prospect starts sooner when you're in person literally from the first moment the prospect lays eyes on you. But either way, whether in person or over the phone, there are three things you need to establish in those first four seconds of an encounter if you want to be perceived in just the right way. Okay, so this is pretty important. Three things that You need to communicate about yourself and you need to do it right away. And they are number one, you are sharp as a tack. Number two, you are enthusiastic as hell. And number three, you are an expert in your field. And Jordan writes, those three things absolutely must come across in the first four seconds of a conversation. Otherwise, you set yourself up for a major uphill battle. Now, in truth, if you screw up the first four seconds, you have another 10 seconds, at most, to play catch-up ball. But after that, you're completely done. It's basically a lost cause. You can't influence anybody. Boy, that's something to think about. The first four seconds of that important, especially if you're communicating over the phone. And I was thinking a little bit about this, that I think this is one of these things that's probably uh, changed a bit now with the ubiquitousness, ubiquity of all of our voice over IP. Uh, technology like nowadays people are using Zoom and Skype to do a lot of phone call to to do a lot of their communi- their business communications and people are using YouTube even you know like if you're a realtor then you the first impression that people may that many people may get from you is not talking to you on the phone but seeing a youtube video of you uh touring the property or a little youtube video of you on the website or whatever so that's an interesting thing to so so the the dynamic may have changed like if you're just doing phone calls if you're just doing phone calls as a salesperson if you're in telephone sales exclusively then this four second thing then you got these four seconds but if you're doing something where you're talking to people on Skype or Zoom or using YouTube, then you're almost kind of like a uh, like a salesperson that appears on a car lot. you know, you can imagine a sales per, car salesperson you you you're judging the guy as soon as you see the guy you know you may even be driving your car up to the lot and you see the salesperson standing out front and you're making that judgment of him before your car is even stopped in the parking spot right and so you're you're almost kind of in the same situation if you're doing sales via zoom and skype that's kind of something to that's kind of something to think about a bit and In the book, he describes, he makes the case in the book that you want to speak a little bit faster. And those of you who have followed me for a long time will remember back in the day when I was on YouTube before they kicked me off, I would do YouTube videos and I would speak rather slow and I would speak slow because, oh, I thought that it... Made me a little bit more clear and easy to understand. I started doing YouTube videos like kind of around the time that I started being a digital nomad and going to live in other countries. And I would note that like people in other countries would sometimes appreciate me more when I would speak more slowly with very precise enunciation of my words. That made it easier for them to understand me. But if you're speaking in so, in your native language to some other native speaker of that language, then you want to go a bit faster. It establishes you as sharper, as being enthusiastic because when you're enthusiastic about something, then you talk fast about it, right? Because you're, you're excited about it. You've got all sorts of emotions and words just erupting out of you about it. And then if you're someone who's a true expert in your field, you can imagine a real expert. That person has got like a lot of things going on. That person doesn't have like two hours to have a a lackadaisical conversation with some random person on the phone, right? Uh, A true expert in their field has got like, they got like 10 minutes to spend on you. And then they're, they're moving on to the next thing. So that's one of the takeaways that I got from the book is you want to you speed up a bit with uh, your speaking. Again, unless you're talking with someone who is maybe English isn't their first language, then you probably want to slow down a bit. Okay, moving on to tonality and body language. You'll be judged by your cover, as in don't judge a book by its cover. Here's what Jordan says. The things a person will internally debate start with a very basic observation, your appearance. They'll then make a snap decision about you as a result of that. It's like we discussed... In item number one on the syntax, they'll be debating things like how clean cut you are, if you're well-dressed or not, how much jewelry you're wearing. It all goes back to judging a book by its cover, how someone dresses, how long their hair is, how they groom themselves, how they shake hands, it all makes a huge difference in how we're perceived and for that matter how we perceive other people and so jordan um, in the book uh, with data and research he again explodes this uh myth that our uh, mothers and elementary school teachers tried to uh, indoctrinate us into which is that you know oh you should judge people you're, you shouldn't judge people based on appearance. You should, you know, get to know people and then, you know, make your judgments and assessments of them as you're getting to know them. And and nobody nobody does that in real life. People, people are judging you uh, in first four seconds, in the first uh, second, based upon the way that you look. And this is why... On Limitless Mindset, I've done a lot of content on the subject of life hacking your appearance. And I've got, uh, yeah, go and check out the website. Check out, I will link to the chapter in my book that I did on life hacking your looks. And then I've got, oh, a bunch of different biohacks for, uh, for beauty. Okay. And all this stuff really will pay you back in dividends, all this stuff really will ROI, especially if you are in sales. Okay, let's talk about spatial awareness. If you're a man selling to another man, then you want to do what's called cornering off, meaning you want to stand at a slight angle to another man as opposed to in front of him. Okay, you see right here, see how I'm I'm, uh, angling off? to you this is the, if you were a man and uh statistically speaking you probably are a man as a as a, as a follower of my of my channel i think uh, i think my audience is a maybe a little bit of a sausage fest um and i'm going to take off this because i finished my uh gamma wave entrainment session with my pmf device so yeah so men should corner off with each other like this. Got it? And he writes, when a man faces another man, it creates a feeling of conflict and hostility. It instantly takes the men out of rapport. So what you do to avoid this is you corner off with the other man, meaning you shift your body position so you're at a slight angle to him, which has the effect of immediately disarming him he writes about eye contact. Speaking of eye contact, here's an interesting fact. If you don't make eye contact, at least 72% of the time, people don't trust you. So yeah, if you're what you've probably heard before, make more eye contact with people. But there's a balance to be struck with this. If you're making 100% eye contact, you're going to kind of, you seem like kind of a weirdo. You seem like kind of a psycho if you're doing 100% eye contact. And so Jordan says, aim for 72%, which is, uh, what's the old expression? Uh, uh, aim small, miss small, right? So, so 72%, shoot for 72% and you'll do, you'll do pretty okay with the eye contact. Moving on to tonality. You see, after millions of years of evolution, the human ear has become so adept at recognizing tonal shifts that even the slightest one can have a dramatic impact on the meaning of a word or phrase. A power whisper comes from deep in your gut. Give your solar plexus a few quick paths With the palm of your right hand. That's the spot I'm referring to when I talk about your gut. A whisper from here creates the perception that you're saying something that has extra importance to it. That you really mean it. Just always remember to never stay in one tonality for too long or else the prospect may become bored. And some more tonality tips. A salesperson should never address their prospect in an overly formal manner. Instead, the salesperson should address the prospect in the way they would respectfully address a friend. So you want to establish some balance. Again, you don't want to be overly formal, but you also don't want to be like, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, buddy, old pal. You don't want to be quite on that level with it. And as far as tonality, the uh, book obviously comes up a little bit short as far as learning tonality because it's a book, you can't really hear them. I suggest going over to Jordan's YouTube channel. And on his YouTube channel, he's got a bunch of videos about the tonality subject. In fact, I think I link. Yeah, I do. I link to that very subject and go and listen to some of the videos about tonality, and then do this. I'm gonna give you a major life hack for improving your tonality and verbal game, which is to do video blogging, to do what I am doing right now, is to get a webcam, could be just your webcam on your computer, or your uh, selfie camera on your smartphone, and then speak extemporaneously for five to ten minutes about different subjects into your camera while recording yourself, and then watch yourself back. Or you could uh, you could even listen to yourself uh, instead. I don't know instead of listening to podcasts or YouTube, listen to yourself talking about these topics, and try to do this for like for like five days. Do, do five of these a week, okay? Five of these a week for about a month of listening to yourself and you will really improve your verbal game. You'll notice all these little uh, ticks and all these little uh, verbal imperfections, kind of these, these verbal bad habits that you've got and, and we've all got them. But if you listen to yourself speaking extemporaneously, you will have to hear these over and over and over again. And you'll work, you'll become more conscious about cleaning those things up. This will this, help quite a bit. This is, uh, Jordan doesn't talk about this in the book, but this is something that can probably improve the communication skills pretty dramatically of most salespeople, because most salespeople are not also vloggers. Okay, next. Let's start with the airtight logical emotional case. This is a phrase I really liked. Whether it's in person or over the phone, the strategies you employ and the outcomes you desire will always be the same. You'll use words to influence your prospect's conscious mind and tonality and body language to influence their unconscious mind. And the outcome of the former will be an airtight logical case, and the outcome of the latter will be an airtight emotional case. So yeah, it's important to keep that in mind. Uh, None of us are Vulcans. We are humans. We all have emotions that, that sway us pretty dramatically in our decisions. But we also, many of us, many of us have some rational, logical capacity. And so as a salesperson, you need to build that airtight, logical and emotional case using both your words and and, uh, powerful informational arguments, a logical case for things, and then also using the body language and the tonality. And uh, boy, if, you, if you're selling something like a, a beautiful Toyota truck, then that sure helps you. That sure helps you there in the emotional department. Okay, let's talk now about something that I think uh, salespeople are often really frustrated with, which is time wasters. And how do you avoid time wasters? Here's what Jordan says. Having no idea that between 30 and 40% of their sales funnel is filled with professional time wasters disguised as buyers in power. Salespeople end up spending the bulk of their time making sales presentations to prospects who have no intention of buying. There are four telltale signs that will alert you to the fact that you're having your time wasted by a looky-loo. Looky-loo. That's a, a funny phrase of, a, yeah, time waster. A person who's uh, who's just looking, who's who's, who's not going to ever be a buyer. And so, number one, they tend to ask lots of questions that they seem to already know the answers to. Okay. Number two, they make it a point to kick the tires of whatever it is you're selling, almost to the point of over kicking them. Okay, number three, they let out a large number of oohs, ahs, eh, hmm, yups to reinforce the sense that they're genuinely interested. So, yeah, this would be a thing where you want to kind of pay attention to people's communication style and see if they're the kind of person who's naturally if they're like, oh, yeah, yeah oh yeah, Mm mm-hmm, yeah, oh, mm, mm, mm -hmm. mm-hmm. If they seem to be doing that a lot normally, if that seems to be their baseline, then that's okay. But if they do that a lot once you're describing the product, then that's kind of a red flag. And then number four, when asked about their finances, they either become boisterously overconfident or unnecessarily vague. Okay, that's a useful point. Boisterously overconfident. We've all ran into this, the guy who's like, oh yeah, oh, I could spend a million dollars on it if I wanted to. Or you run into the person that's like, well, uh, yeah, we're going to have to double check uh, with our accountant on this on this one because uh, we have, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the third quarter of the year. And so, uh, yeah, we just need to... Help look at a couple um things up in the financial department that's a red flag that this is a time waster whereas the person who's genuinely interested is going to be like "Uh, you know we've about a fifty thousand dollar budget for for this okay so moving forward always ask permission to ask questions plain and simple unless you ask permission to ask questions, you run an extremely high risk of being perceived as the grand inquisitor type instead of a trusted advisor. And the grand inquisitor type does not care about you, nor are they just like you, which are the two driving forces behind getting into rapport. However, the good news here is that all you have to do to avoid this outcome is to remember to always ask permission to ask questions. It's as simple as that. Jordan writes about active listening techniques, nodding your head while your prospect is speaking. This shows that you understand what they are saying and that you are on the same page as them. Narrowing your eyes and compressing your lips while nodding your head slowly when your prospect is disclosing an issue that's very important to them. Narrowing your eyes even more while compressing your lips more intensely if the above topic deals with one of the prospect's pain points. In addition, you'll continue to nod your head slowly while letting out the appropriate ums and ahs to show that you actually feel your prospect's pain. Leaning forward when you ask an emotionally charged question, then continuing to lean forward while your prospect answers, while also using the active listening techniques I Outlined at number three. And then number five is leaning back when you ask your customer a question that's grounded in logic, okay, and continue to lean back and nod your head in understanding and scratching your chin thoughtfully while your prospect answers. Next, here's kind of an important point. The profit is in the pain, Here's what George writes, pain serves as a warning signal that is there to let us know that something's wrong in life, something that they need to take action to fix. So if you take them out of pain before you make your presentation, then you're actually doing them a huge disservice. In other words, when a prospect reveals their pain to you, you don't want to jump the gun and saying, oh, great, no need to worry now. My product is going to take all your pain away. So there's no longer any reason to feel bad anymore. Just sit back and relax while I explain everything to you. If you do that, then you're shooting yourself In the foot, in a massive way. Instead, you want to amplify their pain by asking them a series of follow-up questions that actually future pace it, forcing them to experience the reality of being in even greater pain at some point down the road if they don't take action now to Resolve it. So yeah, remember that. The profit is in the pain. Or perhaps put less diabolically, the profit is in assuaging their pain in due time. Okay, and he makes a good point about disqualifying prospects. He writes, remember, today's unqualified prospect can be tomorrow's perfectly qualified prospect. And the amount of goodwill you establish by sending them somewhere else is incalculable. In fact, I've had situations where I did just that. And before I could even leave the table, the prospect started calling their friends to drum up business for me. So that's kind of a, a good point about having overall an abundance kind of mindset is that as a salesperson, you should be looking for reasons not to sell to them. You should be looking for reasons to say, oh, you know what? What we have is not really the best thing for you. You, you should actually go and spend your money with someone someone else, to be, to be frank, and that'll actually be a better decision for you. And it's just, it's shocking to them that someone's actually looking out for their well-being. And it is such a uh, pattern interrupt with uh, other salespeople that they've dealt with in the past that they will say, oh, wow, this guy's actually looking out for my well-being. Like, mind blown, right? And that means that when, that means they may come right back to you when you um, are when you are when you have what exactly they need, they're going to come right back to you, and then they're going to be a a laydown. Uh, they're going to be a person that that says yes, that it's so easy to sell to, or they're going to refer to you. So yeah, there it, there really is money in disqualification in saying no, sorry, I can't help you. So do that whenever you have the the, uh, opportunity to. Okay, next, he talks about the art and science of looping. In many ways, the art of looping is the so-called secret sauce to the straight line system, or at least to the back half of it as it allows a salesperson to increase a prospect's level of certainty in small increments as opposed to all at once. In other words, each objection creates the opportunity to loop and each loop results in a further increase to a prospect's level of certainty. As each loop is completed, the prospect's find themselves that much further down the line and you're much closer to the close for example here's the here's the line that jordan gives and it's pretty good i hear what you're saying but let me ask you a question does the idea make sense to you do you like the idea and i was i actually used a variation of this line recently i was dealing with a uh, coaching client and the client was having some issues setting up the habit tracking dashboard that we that we use to make sure that people are doing exactly what they need to be doing on a weekly a daily basis and so i asked several times i was trying to figure out if if they really hated the 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 using the dashboard if they didn't want to do that and i was like hey look i don't want to pressure you into using something you don't want to use let me know do you like the idea of using this coaching dashboard do you like the idea and they were like yeah 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 yeah. i like the idea i had them repeat that like a couple of times and then to make sure that i got them on board with using the system that uh, is most effective for what I do there on that side of the business. So yeah, remember that idea. Do you like the idea? They're going to hit you with some sort of objection. And then you're like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Good point. Good point. You know, yeah, you need to do your own research. But do you like the idea of what I'm running? Are we on to something? And then a lot of times when you when you say, do you like the idea? A lot of times, if they don't like the idea, there'll be some honesty there. They'll be like, well, no, it's not quite the right fit or I was kind of interested in this other thing. Sometimes they'll be honest there and then you know not to waste your time. You know, that could be another point of uh, disqualification where you get to, uh, in a very friendly diplomatic way, show them to the door. Or that could be a place where they're like, yeah, I like the idea. And you're like, okay. 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 Well, since you like the idea, since you like the idea, you know, don't misconstrue my enthusiasm for pressure when I say that you, in the future, are going to not regret this. The only thing that you're going to regret is that you didn't get it early enough. You see, the idea when you when you get them, uh, when you're pace leading them, then you can uh, bring them to the promised. land. And I am moving towards my conclusion in this podcast. He writes towards the end of the book about securing ultra loyal, highly lucrative, high action threshold prospects. So this these people are going to be goldmine relationships. And he actually describes his father who you may remember from the movie. He writes, My father was a perfect example of this. Growing up, I watched with fascination as he dealt with the same few salespeople to fill virtually all his needs. And he never questioned them about anything about price delivery times, competing prospects, the options or features they recommended, how much of a particular item he could buy, and what warranties he should take out. The bottom line is that he viewed each one of them as an expert in their respective fields. He trusted their judgment on every level. Ironically, it's these ultra loyal, highly lucrative, high action threshold prospects like my father who ended up slipping through the fingers of virtually all salespeople other than natural born closers and those who have studied the straight line system so that's something to think about is that you've got those people out there that you have thought of them maybe if you've encountered them in your career you've thought of them as kind of hard asses that they were people that you tried to do your best to to sell them and then they ended up saying no anyways because they were just so conservative and uh stubborn austere in their decision and their their purchasing decisions And these are the kind of people, the point he's making is uh, these are the kind of people that if you can close them, they will come back to you to buy and they will trust you and they will make your life easy as a salesperson in perpetuity for the foreseeable future if you can win them the one time so so think about that it's kind of like the kind of the difference between if you're you know if if, if you're uh, if you seduce say a woman who is who's easy to seduce um, you're not gonna have her for very long whereas if you manage to seduce a woman who almost nobody else could seduce then hey she's probably gonna be by your side. <laughs> possibly until death do you part, right? And so the same thing kind of applies that there's if if you can uh, pick up this straight line system, if you can uh, cultivate yourself a little bit more, if you can again embody those three things, which are remember sharp as attack, enthusiastic as all hell and expert in your field, then you can start to win some of those really highly lucrative type of gold mine business relationships. And that's why I would suggest, even though this uh, this is not a perfect sales book, it's not, the, not even the best sales book I've read. I give it four stars out of five, but I do suggest that you read this. And it does make the cut to be included in my social dynamics reading list. There's a couple of other books that delve into topics of Persuasion, and Influence, Never Split, The Difference, Pitch Anything, The 48 Laws of Power, and The 2AM Principle, which I link to those books in the blog article for this book review, and I do recommend reading the Social Dynamics Persuasion books. I make it a point to try to read at least one a year because these skills are a really high value type skills even if you don't work in sales even if you're a even if you're a you're an accountant these uh, persuasion negotiation skills oh boy they really do make a difference in the business world and and sometimes they make an even bigger difference just in your personal life of of dealing with people and as i mentioned at the uh, in the beginning i do have a cold calling phone script and this is for getting through the gatekeeper, which if you do telephone sales, you have no doubt struggled with gatekeepers. And in my experience, you can usually find out who the decision maker is in about 60 seconds using Google or quickly browsing the company website. So you will call the corporate office and you'll say something like, hello, Stacey, the administrative assistant's name. How are you today? I'm Jonathan Roseland and I'm calling in regards to marketing. Is the person in charge of that type of thing in your office? Or if you know the name of the decision maker, you can say something like, and this is really my preference, is you can say, hello Stacy, how are you today? I'm Jonathan Roseland, I'm calling for Dave Johnson. Dave Johnson is the decision maker. Is he available? Again, this this is the line that's it's worked pretty well for me, and it's uh, disarmingly simple. Is you say hello, Stacey? How are you doing today? You know, a little bit of uh, social niceties, asking how they're doing. I'm Jonathan Roseland. I'm calling for Dave Johnson. Is he around? And I find that when dealing with small. To mid-sized companies. This line works great because the directness and the use of my last name subtly indicates that the decision maker already knows who I am. It's important to deliver it with confident intonation. And I, I tell you, I'm surprised with how often they will put me right through to the decision maker. Again, If I do a bunch of Googling and I cannot find out who the decision maker is, who the main man or uh, woman (laughs) is there, if I can't figure that out with a bit of Googling and um, looking around their website, then I do have to say, I'm Jonathan Rosen and I'm calling about marketing. Is the person in charge of that sort of thing in the office? I'll have to say that, and it's not quite as effective. A lot of times, they're like, "Oh, please send us an email with the details of what you have," and then you never get a response. But if I can find out the name of the decision maker, and then I say, "Hey, Stacy, how you doing today?" Yep, I'm Jonathan Rosheim. I'm calling for Dave Johnson. Is he around? If I can, if I can deliver it like that, if I can find his name uh, or or her, sometimes it's a her, you know, then I can typically get through. And sometimes, you know, you do get through, but then you get the voicemail. And this is how I handle voicemail that gets me a call back. I'm telling you, it gets me a call back about 50 to 70% 70 of the time. What I will say is, hey, Dave, this is Jonathan Roseland. My number is... Please give me a call back at your convenience. And then I just... Hang up, and I'm telling you, I again I'll get 50 to 70 percent callbacks with that compared with 10 to 20 percent of the time callbacks when I'm describing my product uh, or or what I want to talk to them about. And some people might consider this to be like slightly misleading since I'm not telling them in the voicemail what my call is about, but. I have done this for years. I have left hundreds of voicemails saying, hey, this is Jonathan Roseland. This is my phone number. Give me a call back, click. I've done that a lot of times and I cannot think of a time when my prospect was mad at me or felt misled when they called me back and then we talked about whatever it was that I had to sell. So I hope that I have given you some takeaways here. I do suggest reading this book and I do want to hear from you. If you're a salesperson, leave a comment below this or send me a message on social media or an email letting me know if you do the olfactory scent biohack and then stack it on top of the dispensa epigenetic transformation meditation and then if that like empowers you and and has some transformative capacity where you end up uh, making a lot of money i'd love to hear about that if one of you goes out there and, and tries it okay i'm jonathan with limitless mindset looking forward to a continued conversation with you